Angels for the Baltimore Colts. Unitas gives to Amici. The Colts are the world champions. Amici scores. That's amazing. Sensational. Dramatic. Hard-running. Exciting. Thrilling finish in the history of college football. California has won the game. Go crazy, folks. This is Phil Steele. This is Mike Burnham. This is Wes Durham. This is Mike Ashley. Oh, mercy. This is handsome Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Woogie Man. Hey, guys. I'm ESPN's Marty Smith, and you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to rock? Okay, let's do it. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network, 101.7, 103.5, and 1460. Simulcasting on 710 WFNR. Streaming online at WRADradio.com and the TuneIn app for your phone. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Now your host, Rick Watson. Rick Watson. edition of the program. Good morning. Hope you're doing okay, wherever you might be. You can call us up on the Louise Baker team hotline, 639-4900. Rick with a capital R at New River Radio, or the text line at 744-2990, which is the way most of you communicate with the program. Keon Brown joins us, 635. We'll ask him some fact or fiction questions regarding college basketball. Certain teams and prospects coming up. Then it's the Hall of Fame Power Hour. 805, Bill Roth, the Roth Report, then David Teal from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Usually, on a Wednesday, we would be playing college basketball for Radford University in the Big South. Big South will be playing tonight, but not Radford because television decided to choose the Radford-Longwood game, and it's moved to tomorrow night. So tomorrow night, we'll be on national TV, and we'll have some tickets if anybody wants to go to the game tomorrow night. I'll be giving those away um, maybe later in hour two on this program and then uh, tomorrow. And look, you know, I appreciate the uh, exposure. It's great. I mean, it's nice to have the Dedman Center there and you can, people can see the kind of game atmosphere. It's good for recruiting, right? But at the same time, you know, I was thinking about how everybody in college sports, 
I mean, everybody bows down to television. Like, television controls every bit of college sports. Right? I mean, throw away the worthless NCAA. Just get rid of that. Because it's irrelevant now. The thing that controls everything about collegiate sports is television. And I'm just looking at it from our own perspective here with this game. For instance, our conference, the Big South, whatever you know, ESPN wants, I mean, they're immediately going to change around any of the things they tried to implement before in terms of, you know, not necessarily player safety, but like, for instance, Big South this year made a, a bad decision. The coaches voted on it, and I think probably they regret it. They wanted an extra day of recovery time between games because they used to play opposite nights from the men. So now, in the Big South anyway, the men and the women play the same night. So you have Radford. Now, normally, now tomorrow night, tonight and tomorrow night, it doesn't work out that way because of television moving the game to Thursday. But most nights, you'll have the Radford men playing either at home or on the road, in conference play. Now, these are conference games, not non-conference games. And then the ladies will play the same program at the other venue. Right? To try to save a day, whatever it might be, whatever reasoning they gave for that. And we'll get into why it's a bad idea, but what it means is, that whole theory about making sure you don't have to clog too many games together gets thrown out when you throw in TV who says, oh, by the way, this is ESPNU, this is our Thursday night window, and this is when we're going to choose games every week. They do this every week or two in the Big South as part of the TV package, and they move the game, like tomorrow night's game is now Thursday. Right? This week's game at home is now Thursday. The women will play tonight, since Radford hosts Longwood tomorrow, the women will play at Longwood tonight. But again, most nights they're playing back-to-back. And it's pretty short-sighted in many ways. Um, For one, it takes a night away from women's sports, in my opinion. Like, for instance, women's basketball should have their night. They shouldn't have to have, oh, by the way, the women also played tonight. And ESPN and the conference, they push, they want as many viewers as you can on ESPN Plus and so forth. Well, now you have a conflict with fans who are trying to, say you can't get to the game and you live out of the area and you want to watch, keep up with both programs. Well, now you've got to try to find two different broadcasts on the same night because the games are going on at the same time. But then... TV swoops in, and it doesn't matter what happens. And we saw it last night, right? And it happens all the time. How many times have we heard, you know, Burnup talk about these horrible 9 o'clock starts because of TV? ACC Network. It happened last night with North Carolina and Notre Dame. I mean, I'm sorry, North Carolina and Syracuse. Syracuse is not supposed to tip off at 9 on the East Coast, right? But TV fits it in, and it's just part of signing those big deals and selling your soul for that money that – You have zero say. The conferences, no matter what they try to say, anytime TV dictates something, once the contracts are signed, it's done. So tomorrow, TV will come into the Dedman Center. They'll swoop in starting at 9 a.m., and they'll just take over the entire building. 
Everything that we usually do for game day, everything that we try to produce, I mean, I'll still do the radio broadcast and they won't hamper that at all. And our game day experience will still be ours, but they will come in and start, you know, tearing down all of our ESPN Plus stuff because TV rules all, right? And that's, who, that's what's ruling collegiate sports. There's nothing else ruling collegiate sports but TV and the money. There might be people who try to act as if they have say and power, but really it's all about once you sign that TV deal and then the network's control. That's what ESPN has done, which is why it has to buy itself into the position that it's in. Once it pays out the money and signs these deals, then they control it all. Which is why nothing they say about collegiate sports is really credible because they're in bed with it, especially with the SEC. So anyway, that's tomorrow. And again, I'm glad to have the exposure. Radford deserves the exposure. I want to see our young men um, on national TV because I want people to see how we play. We see Darius Nichols' program and how it's risen. That's the, that's the plus side of it. And I do know it aids in recruiting and things like that. And I'm not really complaining overall, but it is another example is all I'm pointing out of how you might have all these plans in place to make sure student-athletes have an extra day or it's fair practice time or whatever it might be. But yet here we are altering days of games. And, of course, with the 9 o'clock tip-off times, you're altering a whole lot, especially for local fans who are like, whoa, especially on the East Coast, like in Syracuse last night. You're getting out of that building by 1130, then you have traffic. I mean, you're getting home close to what, 1230, maybe 1 o'clock? On the East Coast, that's, that's, a, that's a hard ask. And for the Radford men this week, well, what do they have to do? Well, you play, you play Thursday. Then you have to get up and practice the next day. Then you're traveling, and you have a game Saturday afternoon. So this turnaround time is not nearly what the conference has said, hey, this is what we need, two full days and then the next day. Now, all that gets thrown aside because TV deems it so. It's just funny. It's just funny to see the hypocrisy and how it's just all accepted. It's kind of like anything else going on today in the world. But do come out. We'll have some tickets. And it should be a good atmosphere tomorrow night. And it's going to be a good game. Longwood, of course, the defending conference champs. 26 wins last year. They only lost one conference game. They've only lost one so far this year. They have a former Wake and Tech player, Elijah Wilkins, who's their star. And Radford last year lost two close games to Longwood. So hopefully it's a, it's a good crowd and we'll have a, a good game tomorrow night. You can hear it here if you can't make it out. 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock. And again, it's on ESPN. You. The U. All right. Um, baseball elected Scott Rowland into the Hall of Fame. It's such a disgusting, just the voting process of the entire Hall of Fame is ridiculous. For instance, Todd Helton came within seven votes of making it. Billy Wagner, less than 20 votes from making it. He lives in Crozet, Virginia now, still local, went to Tazewell. He was third but he didn't make it. You have to have at least 75, what is it, 75 point something percent of the vote. 
And Scott Rowland got in at 76.3. Todd Helton, 72.2. Billy was 68.1. And you have Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield, and so on. Players appear on the ballot for 10 years after a five-year waiting period after they retire, provided they get at least 5% of the ballot. And it's ridiculous the way baseball does it. Look, the NFL Hall of Fame process is broken. It's so many politics. And the whole thing, I lost a lot of, I lost a lot of um, respect for the Pro Football Hall of Fame when they did the whole promotional diatribe of walking into the television studios and electing Jimmy Johnson and Bill Cowher, neither of which should be in the NFL Hall of Fame. They just shouldn't be. They shouldn't be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Cower, especially ahead of somebody like Mike Shanahan. Right? Dan Reeves. Marty Schottenheimer. So I lost a lot of respect. All that was was a PR thing and just it's just ridiculous. Jimmy Johnson didn't win 80 NFL games, yet he's in the Hall of Fame. Shouldn't be there. Well, the baseball writers for years have made this a joke. Scott Rowling gets in. He is deserving. Todd Helton should be in. Billy Wagner should be in, right? He should be. Now, Fred McGriff is getting in. He was voted in earlier, so that will be your class this year. But there's never been any rhyme or reason. The egos that are involved. I mean, who knows exactly how this thing is broken down each and every year. And you still have basically most of the steroid era players not getting any kind of play, right? Alex Rodriguez, right? Over 3,000 hits, almost 700 home runs, 2,100 RBIs, only got 36%. Manny Ramirez, 30 uh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, 33% this year because the steroid era is holding down these folks. And to be honest, I'm, you know, I know people are like, well, we should let all those guys in. I still have a problem with it, although I really don't care because all this is just a slow play and most of it's political anyway. I've given up my whole old-school baseball situation as a fan because – Now I want to see things implemented. Like, I want the electronic strike zone because the umpires are so bad with their strike zone. It's going to be tried out at AAA this year. I'm on board for it. I hope it works out. And then I hope uh, it's implemented in Major League Baseball. Right? I don't care. At first, I didn't like the whole ghost runner idea. Now I think it's good. I like it. They're outlawing the shift, which I do like. I didn't really like all the shifting. But now, you know, I used to always think none of those guys who cheated deserved to be in, and I still don't think, no matter what people say, and they run to the um, defense of people like Barry Bonds, especially Bonds. I see all the the Bonds uh, apologists out there. He was a really good player before, and then, of course, he turned himself into the Incredible Hulk and became the guy who hit the most home runs. I will not call him the all-time home runs leader. He's the guy who ended up hitting the most home runs. 
Hank Aaron is still my home run champion. But the purity of baseball left a long time ago. When they, I guess for me too, I don't know how you feel, but I know today younger fans, they don't care because that's what they've been used to. If there are actually younger fans of baseball. But when they sold out to interleague play, that kind of, again, TV dictated that. Because baseball was so unique, and that's why the World Series was so special. And to me, it's lost a lot of the appeal. Just to me. If you look at it the same way, that's fine. But the whole uniqueness of the American League and National League never meeting other than the All-Star game and then playing in the World Series. I mean, that's what we all grew up on. That's the way the game was designed, and that's why those series were so special. Now, of course, you're playing a certain amount of games. Next year, hell, they're playing uh, this year. Everybody's playing everybody at least once, one series. It's complete interleague play. But things like that, you can't really claim to be a baseball purist anymore because it doesn't exist. Congratulations to Scott Rowland. Billy Wagner, your time will come. We'll be back. They're talking Highlanders. They're talking Hokies. What the heck are you even talking about? If it's local sports you seek, look no further. You found it. Don't you know? Talking about More BDST next on the WRAD Talk Network. Bottom of the hour coming up, then Keon Brown will talk some uh, hoops. I think my main, my main problem with the Hall of Fame is this. Either you're a Hall of Famer or you're not. Scott Rowland went from 6% in his first year of eligibility to 76% five years later. What's the difference? Right? By the time you end, your numbers do not change. Your career is over. So you're either a Hall of Famer or you're not. What did he do during that dead time from the time he retired to being voted in that made them all of a sudden decide to add him to the ballot? See what I'm saying? It's such a flawed process. It makes no sense. Billy Wagner was a Hall of Famer when he decided to call it quits. He's just now getting close to 70%. He's not all of a sudden becoming more Hall of Fame worthy during his downtime as a player, all right? But yet these guys have to wait and look at the whole percentages. It's just, it's just a, it's such a messed up process. And the entitlement that the writers have with this thing is just, it's ridiculous. But Pro Football Hall of Fame, which I used to think did it the best way, sold out many years ago to the political part of it. And again, they lost me with the whole, hey, let's walk on to the set in the middle of the pregame show and let's give each network a new Hall of Famer. Neither one really deserves to be there, but that's okay because this is what we're doing. Oh, it comes back to my original topic today. Television controls everything. 
let's make our television partners even happier by doing this on set, and then those guys will feign emotion and act like they're crying when they were given a heads up well before time. It was as choreographed as any old school WCW night in Roanoke when Johnny Weaver (laughs) had the uh, card. Boy, I would have loved that. All right. Keon Brown joins us. We'll talk some hoops when we come back here on a Wednesday. minutes for the top of the hour here on this Wednesday. Hope you're doing well wherever you might be. Joining us now on the program to share all of his basketball acumen. He is former Rapid University Highlander, our basketball guru. And my brother from a distance, Keon Brown. Good morning, KB. How are you? Rick Watson, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. I can't complain about a thing, man. I really can't. But, I, but what I can't complain about is the season is slowly but surely coming to an end. It, it breaks my heart. But we're like halfway through conference play, so <laughs> we are. You know, we got about another good month in February, and then it's the tournament time, which is the best time. But I'm just trying to soak it all in before we have to wind down another NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is the time I know you look forward to so much throughout the year. Yeah. Now here we are, and uh, it, is, it is rolling along. And, uh, you know, tomorrow night, your uh, alma mater, your beloved Highlanders, taking on now the uh, school that you do the uh, home uh, analysis for, Longwood. You've seen them both. Big game, uh, Longwood. I mean, their defense, as you know, what is it? I think 14 times they've held an opponent below 30 points in the first half. Radford can also yeah. play that way. Probably going to be a rock fight tomorrow night, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a battle, and I think that Radford is going to. I, I say it every I say it every time when Longwood is playing against one of these conference opponents, that game is always circled for that team because you know that Longwood was the champion last year. What they did in the league was unprecedented. Usually, in the league, it's so competitive they pretty much ran through it. They they've only lost two games. In their last 25 conference matchups, I mean, think about that. 20 in 25 games, they only lost twice. And you know, last season in the two matchups against Rafford, they were competitive games. So I know Rafford's going to go in there with that on their mind, thinking that they let two slip away last year from the best team in the league, and they're going to try to, you know, do everything they can to tie with these guys at second place. And then they'll need help, obviously, and hopefully UNC Asheville will, will lose tonight. And, you know, hopefully there'll be a three-way tie. But Rafford at the top of that scouting report is going to have a guy named Isaiah Wilkins. And Tech fans, you may know him because he was in Tech for a little bit and also Wake Forest. He is like the nucleus of that team. He does everything. He scores the ball. He rebounds the ball. He's a point guard. But in a two-game span, he had about 30 rebounds. So that just shows you how good of a rebounder 
he is. Deshaun Wade is like the emotional leader of that team, but he's a guy that you have to account for because he was preseason all Big South. Waylon Napper is a guy who I consider the most reliable player in the Big South. He had his worst game a few weeks ago against USC Upstate, and then the very next game you couldn't even tell. He just brushed it off, and that's the thing about the Longwood team as well. They don't get rattled. So if Bradford's up by 20 tomorrow early in the game, it's like actually being up by nine against that team. I promise you, they nothing bothers them. So it'll be another good matchup, obviously, at Highlanders. And then the guy we were talking about right before we came on, Justin Archer. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you Those love kids, Arch. Where did you find this kid from? I mean, it's unbelievable the development and how fast he picked up on everything. He just got better as the season went on. When we were in William & Mary doing the games, he came off the bench and provided a spark, and you could just tell that, you know, that would potentially be his role during that part of the season. Now you look at it, he's just a guy that you have to account for if you're going up against Rapper. You have to. You have to make sure you have a man on him. You have to make sure that if he's crashing the boards, you better box him out because he's going to get the rebound. And then you thought he was the guy that you didn't necessarily need to play call call plays for, and you don't. But he's the guy that if you give it to it in the post, he has, you know, capabilities of, you know, back to the basket post moves. So Justin Archer, the job that the staff has done finding him, the job that the staff has done, you know, uh, with his development early on in the season, he's just getting better and better. And to win the Big South Player of the Week, especially seeing his development early on, I would have never guessed that he would have done that because I, jo- I just would have thought he would have been a role player. But he's incredible. Rapids play unbelievable. So you got a huge ups to that coach staff, Coach Nichols and the rest of that staff. They've done a marvelous job with the program. Keon Brown joining us on the program. He is our basketball correspondent. And I think... The other reason, and we had him in studio uh, on Monday, Radford's point guard now, Obanuchi Eziakodu, the pit transfer. And yep. I know you've watched him, and what he's done is provide stability when uh, Joe Jeffers was really struggling. Now he's coming off the bench, and he seems to have found his kind of his gate again off the bench. But O has done a terrific job. And you know this as well as anybody, Key, because you relied on the point guard so much. But once you have that kind of nailed down a little bit from a guy who doesn't get rattled, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? Absolutely. When we talk about, oh, he's a guy that's experienced in college basketball. So there's not much that he hasn't seen. Yeah. So he can take all of that experience and bring it here from the transfer portal. That's why I love that signing. Because last season, the point guard play was so shaky for the Highlanders. And then you bring in a guy from the ACC from Pittsburgh who you know will come in and make an immediate impact. Now, he is a guy that, you know, he's averaging six points right now, but you don't necessarily need him to do that. You just need him to be a leader. And he's also a guy who makes timely shots. He's also a guy that gets others involved. So if you have, I don't know, Brian Antoine on fire doing some point of the game, he is a guy that's going to make sure the ball continues to get to him because you're going to feed off of that guy who's getting it done. So that's what he brings. And obviously toughness. And obviously one of the best physical specimens in the Big South. I mean, look at that body. I would love for him to come play with my commanders. We say it all the time. (laughs) Come play tight end. It doesn't look like I got Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas might not be with my commanders next year. So if he wants to play, you know, tight end, I think there's a job at Washington for him. But he's just been done an excellent job as well. These guys from the transfer portal came in and just turned the program around. And, you know, they're right there in the battle 
for the Big South cha- regular season championship and conference championship. So we'll see how the second part of the conference season plays out. All right, I want to play fact or fiction with you now. All right. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Tech, of course, knocked off Duke for the fifth time in the last six chances at Castle. Now that they have Hunter Couture ready, fact or fiction, Virginia Tech's about to go on a run similar to the one they had last year to secure a spot in the NCAA tournament. I am going to say that is a fiction. I don't. I, I see something different about this team than I since last season. Now. The good thing about this program is that they're led by Mike Young, who is one of my favorite coaches in all of college basketball. I mean, you know how much I love him. Uh, former Waffle guy, also, he came from Fork Union, just like I did. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, I hate to say it, but I just don't. I just don't see it. You played against Syracuse, who you lost to uh, a few weeks ago. Then you follow that up with my, Miami, who's just playing unbelievable basketball. The job coach Larry Nagel's doing there. Isaiah Long is playing out of his mind. Then you have to play against UVA again. That could be competitive, but I think UVA will sweep the series this season. Uh, you still got Miami a second time. Duke, uh, it's, it's going to be tough. I, I just don't see it. I think some of these uh, top teams in the ACC will get them, but I think they'll end up matching up with uh, North Carolina early on in the tournament, and then that won't be good. I think North Carolina will be on the up by the time tournament play starts, but I, I just don't see it from this Virginia Tech team. They're, they've been competitive somewhat, but I just don't see that same it's something, like that X factor of something that's missing that I've seen last season. Factor fiction, Virginia's going to win the ACC here in 2023. Virginia is going to win the ACC. I know that Clemson is at the top. Miami is also competitive as well, but I think that Tony Bennett and that defense will be the main reason while they come out on top. I remember last before the season started, I talked to an ACC assistant coach, and he said that I know that Duke, and this was preseason, he said I know that Duke in North Carolina is getting all of the looks right now, but my team to win the ACC and my team to have circled as the best team is UVA. And I do believe that. I think that they just play together. Um, obviously, like I say, Coach Bennett is such – just you know what you're going to get from this team. You know you're going to get defense, and when you get defensive the way that they play defense, you know that they'll at least be in every game. Reese Beekman, Kihei Clark, Jaden Garden, Armand Franklin, those guys will come together, and I think they will be cutting down the nets come tournament time. And I think it'll be obviously Miami, UVA, Clemson in the regular season, but I do think that they will at least win the ACC tournament. All right, Key, you watch uh, so much basketball. I want to ask you about Duke and get your opinion. They, it seems yeah. like it seems a little bit like the glows off that program. I know Mike Krzyzewski yeah. leaving has a large part to do with that, but I was watching that Tech game, and they just don't defend. They're, and Mike Burnup talked about it. They're not committed to the defensive end of the floor like they used to be. Do you see John Shire being the answer? I, I'd have my concerns if I'm a Duke fan. I mean, he was appointed by Krzyzewski. Administration really didn't have a lot of say. I don't know. You think that's going to work out in the long run? I know they're always going to get talent because they're Duke, but something you talk about something missing. Something seems to be missing from that program. Yeah, I think he can be the answer. Uh, unfortunately, with the program being as prominent as it is, it's like you don't have much of a leash. and You expect dominance early on, but I actually did expect dominance early on because they had the number one recruiting class coming into this thing. Cal Filipowski has been as good as advertised. He was a top-ten guy. He was actually the third-ranked guy 
between, you know, Derek Whitehead and um, Derek Lively. And he's been better than both of those guys. Derek Whitehead is underachieved. Derek Lively has, he's just, he hasn't been it. I mean, hopefully he can turn it around, but as we get, we have a large enough sample size to say he is what he is. When we had the season preview, I was concerned for his NBA draft stock. And I'm sure by now it's just plummeted. But I think we still can give Coach Shire another shot because next year he'll have the, uh, I think he has the number two recruiting class after Kentucky. So he has about five, five stars coming in and we know in college basketball how big freshmen can be coming in instantly so I think that the jury is still out for John Shire but I don't think that we'll get the Coach K-led program where you just you know college basketball the first one of the first programs you think of is Duke I think those days are long gone but I think that he is in position to at least still keep the program competitive but it comes down to these freshmen and how they play. If you underachieve like a Dirk, Derek Whitehead or Derek Lively, then they won't be very good. But if you have all of your guys tap into their potential like a Cal Filipowski, I think they'll be right at the top. Keon Brown, our basketball Keon correspondent, Brown. joining us. And I'm going to throw you a bone key, and uh, I could probably let you go over the next hour, but let's give it up to your guy. LeBron James last night became the first player. Okay. He <laughs> became the first player to score forty points against all the other NBA teams, forty six in the loss to the Clips, and he has even though the team's not winning consistently, he's uh picked things up. They've been without Anthony Davis. I think they're getting him back pretty soon. But uh how about LeBron yeah. knocking on the door of forty years old, um, being able to put forty six points on a team like the Clippers last night? Yeah, I think he went into that game knowing that set that if he would have had 40 points on the Clippers, he would be the only player in the history of the NBA to have at least 40 points on every franchise. Now, the thing about LeBron, too, is we got something else in our mirror. Rick Watson, we are 178 points away from breaking the all-time scoring lead. <laughs> I know. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and I can't wait for I can't sleep. Rick Watson, we are about, I would say, three weeks away from that. Right. I yeah. really believe it was a time where he got injured and, you know, it looked like there was a point where he might not even break it this season. And then he's just been scoring out of his mind. He's averaging like 36, 37 points over his last 10 games to see what he's doing in year 20, 20, two decades, averaging 30 points per game is unbelievable. We've never seen anything like it. We're never going to see anything like it. He is like 14,000 points clear of the next closest guy that's currently playing, Kevin Durant. And he gets hurt more than LeBron. It's ridiculous what we're seeing, Rick Watson. This guy's (laughs) special, unbelievable. The West is wide open. Who knows how good they can be with a healthy healthy roster. If AD comes back and plays like he played before he got injured, they have a chance. I wouldn't want to see them in the playoffs. I really wouldn't, especially if LeBron's playing the way they he's been playing the Brock Lincoln can add a couple of shooters in the trade deadline. This team could be a team that nobody wants to play. The West is so lopsided, uh, so wide open right now that, you know, anybody could win it. But right now we are focused on task at hand, 178 points away. I cannot wait, Rick Watson. You don't understand. You don't. <laughs> I want to get live footage of you the night he hits the bucket that uh, puts him in the all-time lead. And you're going to have to add something to your room now to celebrate once he becomes the all-time scoring leader. <laughs> yeah, so I'll tell you, Spoko, they're going to be ready. As soon as he breaks that record, they are going to have bobbleheads that are limited. 
I'm, you're going to have to run, run, make your moves fast if you want to get those. I'm going to try to get two of those, but that's the first thing I'm looking to get is those bobbleheads that are they're going to be limited to about probably 387. So you're going to have to be fast. I'm going to at least try to get two of those. Okay. All right. Well, good. Keep us updated on that pursuit. And uh, I know you'll be uh, pulling for your highs tomorrow night against Longwood. Absolutely. I'm, I, my heart is always with Radford. It always is, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm with Longwood right now as far as the broadcast. But yeah, I'm still on there watching the games while Longwood is playing. Don't I know. Me. I know I you are. You yeah, you're I sitting promise. there looking on your phone while you're watching. Okay, commercial break. Yeah. What's going on at Radford? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly how I was at Campbell. <laughs> All right, brother. Listen, I hope you're doing well. Looking forward to seeing you soon, I hope, and uh, enjoy your classroom today. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, brother. All right, man. So much. Thanks, man. There's my guy, Keon Brown, the best. Yeah, he's doing a great job, by the way, for uh, Longwood on their broadcast. All right, we'll take a break, come back, wrap up Hour 1. A lot coming up on the program in Hour 3. We'll remind you about that as well. I hope you're okay this morning. It's chilly, but again, the weather is clear. I think rain may be a little bit later on this morning, actually, soon. But right now, pretty dry out there. We'll be back. Miss something? Oh, you missed that? Well, here it is. Listen to Big Dog Sports Talk anytime. Yeah, we missed you so much. Available wherever you get your podcasts. BDSD will return in a moment on WRAD. Straight ahead. Everybody and I just went out to uh, get a weather update. It's now raining uh, a little bit out here in the parking lot in Fairlawn. I had people chiming in. Dublin, Pulaski, it's raining. Blacksburg. Blacksburg, uh, maybe some sleet there, sir. Not here. It's just a light little, very light rain falling outside our studio. So the weather has gotten here. Nothing major, but again, uh, whenever the roads are wet, be more on the lookout for bad driving guy than ever. Because it is an epidemic with bad driving guy. Hour three will be Bill Roth and the Roth Report, and then uh, David Teal. We'll have more discussion coming up in hour two. And as always, we uh, want you to be part of the conversation. Tomorrow night, national television. It'll be Radford taking on uh, Longwood, and it will be... um, a lot of fun. If you haven't been to the Debman Center, it's a great atmosphere for a game. And you're going to want to be there. It's going to be um, a lot of terrific stuff going on. And I think that it, it, it's a game that's going to show you if you don't go and you want to watch, or if you do go, you're going to see the defending conference champions, a team that went to the NCAA tournament last year, and a team that I just think is definitely on the rise under Darius Nichols, and they've shown that with a five-game winning streak coming into the big showdown tomorrow. You heard Keon talk about Isaiah Wilkins, the former tech product who 
you know, he, he goes out and he gets his, but he's a very unselfish player. He's more of a team guy. He's more of a defensive guy who fill it up when he has to. He can hit a shot. And you got to give Griff Aldridge a lot of credit, the head basketball coach at Longwood. He's been on the show a couple times, uh, especially last year after they won the whole thing. He's done a magnificent job. Farmville, they're getting a new arena next year. It's amazing how he's turned around a program that hasn't been Division One very long to uh, being the the team that everybody's chasing. If you want to go to the game tomorrow, we have a pair of tickets. You can call me up during the break here at 639-4900. If you want a pair of Radford tickets, 